Jorge, Jorge is the master of pity. I think we should. What? <laughs> that, that came out wrong. <laughs> well, uh, I heard it from Father Mike. Love begins at home. Love begins at home. Your mamas and your papas and your brothers and your sisters and your neighbors too. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Love Begins at Home, where today we're continuing to talk about the season of Lent, but more specifically, we're going to be talking about almsgiving. Um, So we're excited that you're here with us today as we discuss this, and hopefully we talk about some things that you don't know too much about, but can lead you to deeper conversion during this Lenten season. So with that, let's go ahead and open up with prayer. Jorge, please take your hat off. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, called out called out yes it's okay man (laughs) in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen amen dear lord we thank you for this time together as we continue to talk about our faith but more specifically the season of Lent as we are journeying on together we ask lord that you continue to work within us to open our hearts to you day by day as we approach the easter season lord we pray for our families and our parishes and uh for their well-being and for those in the world that are um, that are suffering, help us to be compassionate towards them and to be examples of your light in the world that is surrounded by darkness uh, a lot of the time. So all these things we pray in your holy name. And today we ask St. Patrick to intercede and pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right, boys, good to be back. It's good to see you guys. Yes, great um, to be back. You know, we're... We're still in the Lenten season. At the same time, we're celebrating uh, some time off of, of those of y'all that have been out of, out of school for spring break. But today we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, too, in the season of Lent. So um, during the season of Lent, we did talk about last time how there are s- certain days, especially Sundays, where we, um, you know, we rejoice in the Lord because it's uh, the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on every Sunday when we go to the Mass. And so those are the days that we don't have to abstain or give up the things that we have been giving up for the Lenten season. But um, there are certain days during the Lenten season too where we can, uh, you know, take take time away from those uh, fasts that we have. Yeah. Um, and specifically, Father Jason told us that uh, today is a feast day in our diocese because St. Patrick is, is, oh, the, that's right. is the uh, saint for our diocese. So, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, at the cathedral. Yeah. Nice. So that's why we can celebrate today if you're within our diocese. Well, I wish you would have told me that earlier. (laughs) Yeah. My day is almost shot now. (laughs) So, and then also looking towards uh, Saturday, we celebrate... St. Joseph. St. Joseph. Yes. So that's another day that we can celebrate during this Lenten season. And then I think the next week... (laughs) And then then the next week... Man, this Lenten season isn't so bad at all. I think we celebrate the Annunciation on the 25th. Mm -hmm. I think think that's also a solemnity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it all depends on, on the conference of the bishops. But yes. Yeah. Yep. Some some of the holidays of obligation are not the same here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and in other countries. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a universal thing. Right. It changes every, in every country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to be a hardcore Catholic, you just mark all your feast days. And then Lent is really <laughs> just like three days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm celebrating Saint. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 
A martyr, bless it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so getting back to the point of what we're talking about today, we are talking about almsgiving and how that connects to the other two pillars of um, the practices that we have in Lent. So we've talked about prayer and fasting, and now we're talking today about almsgiving. Which to be fair, when I teach to my students all oh, the three pillars of Lent, they always know prayer and fasting. But none of them knows the meaning of almsgiving. Because mm. they like don't have a, any money. They're like, I don't have any money to give, <laughs> which is not all that almsgiving entails. Yeah. So yeah. it's good that we talk about this. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good that we talk about it today. And um, again, hopefully it helps us to all understand a little bit more uh, as to what this uh, means. So so what is almsgiving, fellows? If we have to just kind of put it out there in layman's terms, what do we tell somebody, one of our youth, who asks, well, what is almsgiving? Because I'm not too sure what that means. Well, when we think of almsgiving, yeah. we do think about uh, giving money. But really, almsgiving, in the simplest terms, can be a gift of self. Mm-hmm. So giving of what we have. That can entail money, but it can also entail time, treasure, talent, so it, it's just a, it's an outpouring of self. It's directing, as the other two pillars help us to direct, a refocusing, not inwardly, but outwardly. So almsgiving helps us to focus primarily um, outwardly towards neighbor, whereas prayer and fasting primarily focus us towards God. Now, we do have God in, uh, in almsgiving as well, but those three pillars really lead us back to the two greatest commandments that Jesus gives the the rich young man, right? The the first is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your might, and all your strength. And then the the second being love your neighbor as yourself. And so uh, that's why almsgiving is a very essential piece of Lent is because it incorporates uh, more fully that second commandment to love neighbor as mm. self. Wow. Okay. Very good. So I wanted to talk about, just real briefly, the gospel today. We talked, or we talked, if you read it today, that the gospel story was about um, the rich the rich man who had much and Lazarus, who was a poor man, who would have happily eaten the scraps from this rich man's feast that he had all, all the time. Um, but they both die, and... Uh, the rich man ends up going to the netherworld, and Lazarus ends up going to the heavenly... Yeah, essentially heaven, yeah. since he's in Abraham's bosom, yeah, whatever it, that means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it relates to our conversation today, because um, when we're thinking about love of neighbor, as Brad, you're talking about, you know, the, the, the parable teaches us that, well, this man who was rich, yeah, maybe... Lazarus was eating the scraps from his table and, and maybe he was uh, getting some benefit from the rich man. But the rich man just kind of viewed him as part of the scenery in his own life. He didn't really... Even after death, yeah, he still treated him that way. Right. He, yeah. didn't, he didn't go and extend an actual helping hand to this poor person who needed something, right? Um, to help our neighbors in, in that way is what we're called to do. Um, and it's, it can be tricky sometimes and pretty hard to to accomplish that. Um, but we will talk about that more, uh, later on this episode, how we can be more compassionate towards our neighbors. Um, so yeah, almsgiving, is there anywhere in scripture that we can refer to that would help us to understand almsgiving in a better sense, or maybe a story that we could read about? Okay. What would that be? Well, 
there's the parable of the the widow. Right? Yes, yes. Oh, the widow's mite. The one? widow that gives only the two yeah. coins. Mm-hmm. Two coins. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's one. Um, yes, yeah, she, she gives the two coins, and so Jesus says that uh, she gave more out of the two coins, which I think essentially was a Every, penny. Yeah, like that's what she gave. But Jesus says she's given more than anybody else because she gave everything that she had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that one comes to mind as well. And then actually the book of Tobit puts a big emphasis on the works of mercy and almsgiving. Yeah, I heard that like in the past week, someone, uh, I don't know who, which priest said it, but they mentioned it uh, that it's very relatable. Yeah, so um, Tobit is the... Um, He's the father in the story, and so he is seen at the beginning of the book essentially doing works of mercy. Um, he's burying the dead. He's um, you know, giving food and bread to uh, the hungry and things like that. But then uh, he also is, is giving um, of his possessions. And this, this quote actually comes from the end of the book of Tobit. So uh, if you don't know anything about the book of Tobit, it's a wonderful book. It's a great book. But the archangel Raphael is accompanying Tobit's son, Tobias, on a journey to marry uh, his kinswoman and uh, so that they can enjoy the, <clears throat> the sacrament of marriage. But uh, his wife, or soon-to-be wife, Sarah, she is possessed by a demon. And so every time that Sarah is married, the, uh, Sarah and her, her groom go into the, the bridal chamber and to consummate the marriage. But before they can do that, the demon slays the husband. And so she's actually married seven times. Yeah, it's like pretty dark stuff, but she's married (laughs) seven times. And so actually what's funny about it- But she's never consummated, right? No, no, not at all. So she's never been really- No, so because the demon kills the husband before they can can, uh, celebrate the marriage Mm -hmm. in that way. And so uh, when Raphael is in disguise- accompanying Tobias and he says, hey, uh, when you get to uh, this house and you're given Sarah and to, given to Sarah in marriage, pray, pray before you do anything. And so um, you'll hear this passage sometimes at weddings mm-hmm. and stuff where they, they close the, uh, the chamber door and Tobias's sister, come up and let's pray together. And so he prays this beautiful prayer about how he doesn't take her in lust, but out of love and out of uh, just charity. And at that point, Raphael actually um, binds the demon and and sends him back to hell. And so uh, now they're making the return journey back to Tobit. And this this comes from where Raphael is kind of revealing who he is, that he actually is the archangel all along. But uh, he says to um, Tobit and Tobias, he says, do good and evil will not overtake you. Prayer with fasting is good. Almsgiving with righteousness is better than wealth with wickedness. It is better Mm. to give alms than to store up gold. For almsgiving saves from death and purges all sin. Those who give alms will enjoy a full life, but those who commit sin and do evil after their own worst enemies. Uh, So that comes from Tobit chapter 12, verses uh, 7 through 10. And so uh, that's that's really interesting because we don't get a lot of 
talk like that throughout the Gospels. It's kind of sprinkled in there, but not as, you know, in your face mm-hmm. as that is, right? You know, almsgiving with righteousness is better than wealth and wickedness. It is better to give alms than store of gold. For almsgiving saves from death and purges all sin. And so uh, when we look at that, we can think, well, you know, giving money is going to save me. <laughs> well, not quite, because again, almsgiving is that giving of self. It's those works of mercy, which we'll get into later. And so it's what saves us is that, that pouring outwardly, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus always poured of himself outwardly towards neighbor. And so almsgiving helps us to partake in the ministry of Jesus, essentially, by giving of ourselves. Mm. As you were saying this, I was looking for the root or the etymology of the word almsgiving, mm-hmm. which in Spanish translates to uh, limosna. And both of them come from the same root. It's a Greek root, elemosina. I don't know. I don't know Greek. Don't but know. <laughs> <laughs> the, what it means, it, it, you'll find it very interesting because we're going to talk about it. Is, it means to work, pity and compassion. Mm. <laughs> I promise I did know this fact That's before we, we were going to talk mm. about before this. Before our planning session. Yeah, yeah. We started I didn't this. know yeah. about this, but <laughs> almsgiving comes from the etymology, you know, from many, many, many words. But on the end means it can also translate to pity and compassion. And now that you said it, we can... We can talk about it, you know, about PT. Jorge is pretty excited to talk about pity. I re- I'm and really compassion. excited because, I mean, this topic is, is so relatable. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you said it about the money. It's not about the money, but it's about how much you give of yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, when we give, it's not so much the, the quantity, but the quality mm. of which we give. Yes. Right. right. Just like you referred to with the, the widow and right. what she gave, it was the quality. Obviously, she didn't have much to give at all. Um, so now that we're at this point, you know, we've, we've been trekking in Lent for two weeks, almost two weeks now, maybe a little bit more. We're going to celebrate now the third. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, no. When it'll, this episode comes up, it will be the fifth Sunday of. Yeah. So we're almost, almost done. Okay. Yeah. So maybe it's at this point now that we're talking about almsgiving, it's like, okay, how am I actually giving of myself to my neighbor during this Lenten season? Have we even pondered that in your Lenten journey? Because you, you're probably giving something up that's valuable to you, which is great. You're spending, hopefully you're spending more time in prayer with the Lord in some other ways that you maybe you're not uh, attuned to doing. But now the challenge is, how am I giving of myself to my neighbor? How am I showing pity and compassion how am I giving the alms that God is calling me to do? Um, so then what is the difference between pity and compassion? Jorge, you want me Brad, to explain it? anyone okay. know? Jorge, Jorge is the master of pity. I think we should. What? <laughs> that, that came out wrong. <laughs> pity well, me, pity. Uh, I heard it from Father Mike a long time ago that pity is only the emotion the feeling of sorrow about someone, you know, you see a person that is wounded on the street. You're like, oh, poor person, you know, and that emotion, that sentiment, that's pity. So it's a passive emotion. You know, you have the emotion, but it's just passive. It just stays with you. Compassion, it's, and I think it's, uh, I, I really like etymology and I can just come up with maybe a little bit compassion 
I can maybe say that co with passion, with passion. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of like more accompanied, like more together. So I have the PT and then I do something. So it's an active, uh, active uh, sentiment or emotion. So in terms of like a practical example, I see one person in a homeless, you know, oh, poor guy, he's asking for money. Oh, I, I wish he can have a house or something. I don't know. That's PT. Compassion is actually, oh, poor guy. I wish he can have some money. You know what? Let me buy him lunch. Let me go talk to him. Let me, you know, do something for that person. Go out of yourself. Out of your way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was, um, I remember in college, there was a, a Lent, Lenten season where I really wanted to focus on uh, being uncomfortable. And I prayed almost every day, like, Lord, make me uncomfortable. Oh, boy, did he. <laughs> Dangerous prayer. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I was noticing was around TCU's campus, there are a lot of homeless people that just kind of wait on the outskirts for all these, you know, rich college kids to come up uh, off the off campus. And, and so I was finding myself being more involved with homeless interactions. And I remember one, one day I was walking back to my apartment and there was this guy just sitting on the curb and he was obviously homeless and he was begging for money. And I, I went upstairs and I kind of just was like, nope, you know what? I'm, I don't want to deal with that today. But I, I went upstairs and I sat down, I made myself a sandwich. I sat down and I would, went to go take a bite of the sandwich and I turn and I look out and I see him sitting on the curb from my window. And it was one mm. of those things where I just like didn't finish even like putting the sandwich in my mouth. I put it down and I went, okay, God. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I took uh, my cup of water and my sandwich and I took it down and I gave it to him. And I, that's all I planned on doing. I just planned on giving him and I was like, look, just, you know, mm -hmm. leave the, the cup and plate here. I'll get it later. But I ended up talking to this guy for two hours and uh, I can't even remember what we talked about, but he was telling me things like how he got to be homeless. He was telling me things about his family. And finally, the sun was starting to set. And uh, so I was beginning to um, dismiss myself and he had to go catch a bus or something. But as I got up, he kind of grabbed my arm hmm. and he said, thank you. And I said, oh, sure, no problem. And I mean, it's just it's a sandwich. He's like, no, no, no. Like, I, I can eat, you know, I, I have food every day. People give me food every day. That's, that's no big deal. But you listened to me. Like you're the only person. You gave him time. Yeah. He, he was like, you're the only person that's actually listened to me and had a conversation with me. Most people just give me money or food and then I, you know, I don't, I don't talk to them. And it was odd for me thinking that was like, well, I didn't intend on doing that, but it just ended up happening. And it was completely unexpected for me that just sitting down and talking with this guy was an act of charity. Mm. But I was, I had pity on him and then I was moved to compassion to stay with him for as long as, you know, I needed to. Cause for that first hour or so I was thinking like, man, like look at the time I got to get going. I've got, you know, homework I got to do. I got other things mm -hmm. I need to do or th other things I want to do. And there was a point where I just thought, Ah, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ride this out. We'll see where it goes. And once I made that decision in my head, just to not worry about what time it was or all the other things I could have been doing, I felt less anxious and 
I actually felt that I was listening better to him. And I think he might have noticed that, but that was just something that's always stuck with me. And it wasn't anything I intended. It was completely the Holy Spirit because I didn't want to go down there and, and talk with them for two hours. But it was interacting with that grace, interacting with the recognition of pity and allowing myself by the Holy Spirit to be moved to compassion and sit with him and just listen. That's a really cool story. Sorry, Jorge. Uh, I, want to, I want to share this real quick. Yes, I shouldn't take it too long. But I want to brag on my wife real quick because... Um, she, she's always been a, a person that has a big heart and gives and serves. Um, and teens, I wouldn't recommend you do this because she did this when she was a teenager in high school, but she, I'm so different. Back yeah. <laughs> well, a little bit. <laughs> she, she saw this homeless man. He needed a ride. She, <laughs> she picked him up nice. in her car and, um, she took him to Waffle House because he wanted to eat. And so she drove him there. They had a meal together. She talked, I don't know, she talked to him for a while and just heard his story kind of similar to you, Brad. And um, she never forgets this man. Uh, his name is Owen. And she prays for him um, still. And um, it was just, you know, another way that she was being compassionate towards uh just strangers she's she's that way to a lot of people in our in our community that are homeless she she's always trying to give someone a meal or just see how they're doing so she's a really good example for me and for my children and um she is always willing to have that time for other people just to show compassion um so how does pity, compassion, you know, how does that teach us to be of service to others? You know, um, what are some things that we can do now? What are some things that maybe you youth out there um, who kind of maybe are intimidated to go out and, and meet someone who's homeless or um, minister to those in need? What are, what's something that you can think about doing during this Lenten season that can uh, help somebody else? And I bring that story up too because Christina was a youth when she did that. You know, um, youth, y'all are called to, to become saints too and to, to share the faith with other people. Um, I think in Timothy it says, um, you know, do not despise the youth. Or <laughs> Let no one look down like, upon you because yeah. of your youth. Yes. Okay, thank you. See, that's why we have Brad here. <laughs> you can correct any uh, anything that we need correcting with. But um, don't, don't let people look down on you because of your age right? You can do great things, um, especially when you're allowing God to work through you and to have that confidence um, to go out and be Christ to other people. So what's something you can do this Lent that incorporates this almsgiving thing, uh, this almsgiving pity, compassion towards others? How can you be uh, reaching out beyond yourself to your neighbor? Jorge, what, what did you want to say? Yes, I want to make the difference between the compassion, mm. uh, because compassion, as, as you said, it's not, it's not only about giving the money, you mm. know, or not only of giving a sandwich. You know, in your case, you might just give them the sandwich, and if you were rich, yeah. you would just go again to Subway and get another sandwich. Mm -hmm. and, and, but as you learn, it was not about the sandwich, but it was more about you yourself, your time, your 
listening, you know? So Mother Teresa, she has a really nice quote. It says, I have found the paradox that if you love until it hurts, there can be no more hurt, only more love. So that can be like your guideline for like, am I working with real compassion? You know, you open your wallet. How many dollars I have? I have $20. I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna give $2, you know? It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't affect me. And what really, what God really wants us is what Brad was praying for. God really wants us to feel uncomfortable. If I give him $5, can I give more? I mean, five, I'm still okay with that. Maybe if I give 10, 10, well, I can still have 10 more dollars for whatever, you know, but it's, it's just, we need to keep pushing ourselves until that point where it's like, okay, now it's really uncomfortable. Now it's really affecting me, you can know. I still I, pay my bills if I give this away. <laughs> so I, I, think the, I think the point for that though is, you know, we can, we have a, probably a limit in our head of, all right, this is what I'm willing to give that mm -hmm. I'm comfortable with. But I think the next step is what, what can I give that I'm uncomfortable giving, you know, or it doesn't have to be, you know, outrageous, you know, if yeah, you're no. you know, 20 bucks, like I'm going to give him everything that I have. Like, no, that's not what God is asking us to do. Cause we, as you mentioned, men, like we, we, we need that too. <laughs> but is there something else that you can give like your time or, you know, if, uh, just, uh, you know, 10 minutes of just sitting there or, Instead of giving money, go and buying a meal and like sitting with that person or something like that. And but it even you know we talk a lot about homeless when we talk about almsgiving, which is great, it's very good. But uh, for you teens out there, you may not have a lot of interaction with homeless people, but you may have people that are isolated at your schools, people that feel that they're outcasted, that and and maybe even you think that they might be a little odd or a little weird, but. God still loves that person. And maybe God is calling you to be a little uncomfortable and go engage with that person. And so it, it's uh, the it, scripture puts a big emphasis always on the orphan and the widow and, and the, the poor. And Lent and almsgiving is helping us to remember those people, essentially the outcasts, the people that don't feel accepted. And so we can find those people anywhere that doesn't have to be essentially just on a random street corner. That could definitely be part of it, but that's not the only place it can be found. It's a really good discussion so far. When we, when we dive more into this, though, we've all heard of what the corporal works of mercy are, right? What, how do we incorporate those into this whole almsgiving thing? And what are some examples or practical ways we can maybe share that with our listeners? Um, to engage in corporal works of mercy. So we've kind of talked about, you know, giving himself, spending time with people that just want to be heard, um, extending ourselves out to those um, that we may not associate, associate with on a consistent basis. Um, but what are some other ways that we can show works of mercy? Um, one, one thought that comes to mind... I th you know, last time we had talked about different ways of prayer during Lent, and we were speaking on the Stations of the Cross. There's a station where Veronica mm -hmm. meets Jesus and wipes the face of Jesus, right? 
that in itself is such a huge uh, arrow pointing towards what an act of mercy looks like, right? Um, that compassion piece that we're talking about. You know, think about Jesus carrying this cross, all bloody, all bruised, all beaten, all scourged. And this woman takes her beautiful, clean uh, veil or whatever it is and wipes the bloodied face of Christ to give him a moment of peace, to give him a moment of cleanliness. Um, you know, what? also with all these these crazy, uh, angry, violent mob, uh, the the soldiers that are telling him to press on and to to get on with his his walk to his death. But she, out of everyone, comes to him and takes this moment of peace and extends it to him and comforts him in his most dire time. Like wow, that's mercy. That's compassion in this imperfect human being you know can we offer that to people right. yeah and she was yeah. driven by that charity mm -hmm. that she didn't care about what was going on around her and was just seeing a need that jesus had and filling it and and i think that's what you know pity has to move us to compassion and then compassion moves us into charity into love and that's how we are to give alms is with with great love and you know i think the passage on ash wednesday that we read the gospel right uh, jesus says if you give with your left hand don't know what your right hand is doing or something like that you know so it's it's having this humility having this sense of i don't really care how i look but this person needs this and so i'm going to give that to them the other thing, maybe we can remind to the audience what are the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy, because I bet some of them might not know them. Mm -hmm. So let me start with the corporal works of mercy. Uh, one of the, the first one is feed the hungry. Second one, give drink to the thirsty. Clothe the naked. Shelter the homeless. Visit the the, yeah, visit the sick, visit the imprisoned, and bury, bury the dead. So those are the corporal works of mercy. And the spiritual works of mercy are admonish the sinner, instruct the ignorant, counsel the doubtful, bear, how do you say, bear wrongs patiently? Bear wrongs patiently. Bear, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Forgive offenses willingly. Comfort the aff afflicted and pray for the living and the dead. So it just, by reading this, going back to your testimony, to your story, you actually were feeding the hungry mm -hmm. by giving them your sandwich, but also you were comforting the afflicted by listening to him. Never thought about it that way. And <laughs> you gave him water to drink. Yeah. So you quenched <laughs> well, his thirst. So like we have these spiritual works of mercy. We have these corporal works of mercy because your corporal body, spiritual mm -hmm. soul, and we're comprised of both body and soul. And these works of mercy remind us of that, is that the body's important and the soul is important. They're, they're both very important and we have to take care of the body 
and the soul because people will suffer in body and will also suffer in soul. And so it's helping us to comfort those people. And I I do want to say something real quick because a lot of times people will say, um, you know, instruct the ignorant. Uh, I I don't know why this is like a soapbox of mine, but (laughs) ignorance doesn't mean stupidity. Mm -hmm. Ignorant just means they don't know. I actually had a band director that would describe this to me and he says, look, ignorance is a little kid putting a finger in a socket. Stupidity is the same kid doing it again. (laughs) 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 So, uh, so when we are called to instruct the ignorant, it's simply just providing knowledge for people who don't know what they don't know. And that's all that that means. You know, when we talk about these, uh, it comes to my mind, the parable of the good Samaritan, Samaritan. And so it's in Luke, Luke, um, chapter 11, chapter 11, verses 29, 20. No, it's yes. Yes. Uh, 30, actually 30. <laughs> So, you know, Jesus starts saying that a, ma- a man fell victim to robbers. And then he, talk- he talks about the priest that uh, happened to be going down the road. He saw him. He passed by on the opposite side. And then a Le- Levite, is that mm-hmm. how you say it? Mm-hmm. Levite came to the place. He sa- did the same thing. But it, I read the next uh, verse. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the site, with compassion, not with pity, you know, with compassion. Mm. And we know the rest of the story, you know, he yeah. healed the wounds of this man, he took him to the, uh, right. the, the And this was a Jewish man, in, right? It, it, no. The, the, the wounded man. Oh, the yes, wounded the wounded man, man yes. yes. And so the Samaritan who comes to help him, see now that's a big deal that I think a lot of people miss a lot of the time, is that mm-hmm. Samaritans and Jews did not mix well together. They did not get along. They had this history of... They were, of, yeah, the Samaritans, I think we talked about this at yeah. one point, but the Samaritans were, at one point, they were part of the, the 12 tribes. They were in mm-hmm. the north, but then they were conquered by the Assyrians, and the Assyrians basically exiled all of the Israelites from the north, and they began to put other people of the Assyrian kingdom into that land, and they realized that they needed to worship the God of the land, as, as it says in 2 Kings. And so they sent uh, somebody from the northern tribes to be a teacher or a priest to them. But the funny thing is, the reason the north got conquered was because they weren't worshiping properly. So the mm-hmm. Samaritans were taught how to worship God improperly. So at the point in the Gospels, really the only remaining tribes of those 12 tribes are judah and benjamin because that that's what made up the south in the divided kingdom and so the samaritans as you mentioned ben yeah they don't they don't have respect for the jews and the jews don't have respect for samaritans they Mm -hmm. they didn't interact at all and what's really interesting about this story too is you know you've got the priest and the levites but they may have had pity we don't really get that from the story but the moral law of touching someone who was wounded would make them unclean. Mm-hmm. And so they could not be moved to compassion because they felt that they had to uphold the, the, law. the law and not defile themselves by this law. Of course, Jesus 
constantly talks about how like they've taken the law and made it something mm-hmm. that it's not supposed to be. But you know, the other point that's interesting too is going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and so they're they're going from the temple to to Jericho, and Jericho was uh, you know a place that um, was not really. Uh, clean, <laughs> or a lot of a lot of places like there's there's a lot of ministry to be done in Jericho, and so while they're going from Jerusalem where the temple was to Jericho, they needed to be uh, clean or pure, for lack of a better term. And so both the priest and the Levite did not do that. But the point of the parable is that the love of neighbor. So it didn't mm. matter. So Jesus is saying like, look, like. If you see somebody that's suffering, then help that person. And so that's where that love of yeah. neighbor comes to. Yeah. And it goes back there to... shouldn't be any law or boundary no. for you to cross that and help right. and, and those even in need. In James' gospel, he says that our faith must produce good works. If we have faith without works, then we really don't have faith at all. Because he says, if you see a, a brother or sister that's hungry and in need, and you say... Uh, be warm and keep well fed and do nothing to meet their their needs what what good is that faith and that's kind of the same takeaway from this parable mm. well we we talk about these works of mercy and you know it's good that they were listed off the spiritual and the corporal um, but again the challenge for us to continue forward and to incorporate those acts of mercy into our life is something that um, we should try to do and recognize within ourselves, but um, in the people we meet daily, how we can accomplish those things. Um, so, how do we how do we do that? You know, Brad had mentioned the whole you know go, when we're back at school, youth uh, that you go and meet those people that are on the fringes that are that are out there that maybe don't have anyone that cares enough about them to they, be a friend of them, whatever. They could be considered imprisoned. You know, they're imprisoned mm. in their in their own self-doubt or, you know, whatever keeps them from being fully who they are. And so that, that can be a, a form of imprisonment and just being with that person. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's that the horrible crisis going on right now between Russia and Ukraine mm-hmm. and the war there. And um, think about all of the Ukrainian people who are being forced out of their homes, being killed, um, having to flee into other countries for refuge. Um, there's an amazing uh, story right now of this priest who has gone over to the Ukraine to gather these orphans there that had nowhere to go and, and get them to other guardians. And, um, you know, that, I mean, wh- what, what, a, what a testimony for someone to fly from the comfort of their own home here in the U.S., Go, go in the face of war to help these kids who have nowhere else to go um, and to bring them to some sort of safety. Um, you know, what an example to us of, of living, you know, the, the corporal works of mercy and the, the spiritual works of mercy. You give me a second. I'm trying to find uh, the chapter on the new, well, barely new encyclical Fratelli Tutti mm-hmm. from Pope Francis where he speaks about the Good Samaritan, it's just a good chapter that I want mm. just to give you the reference. I'm fine. I found it. So it's chapter two of Fratelli Tutti. It's called A Stranger on the Road. And he makes a whole reflection on the parable of the Good Samaritan. So in the number 63, he says, uh, 
Pope Francis says, Jesus tells the story of a man assaulted by thieves and lying injured on the wayside. Several persons passing by, but failed to stop. These were people holding important social positions, yet lacking in real concern for the common good. They will not waste a couple of minutes caring for the injured men or even in calling for help. Only one person stopped, approached the man and cared for him personally, even spending his own money to provide for his needs. He also gave him something that in our frenetic world we clinched to tightly. He gave him his time. Certainly, he had his own plans for that day, his own needs, commitments, and desires. Yet, he was able to put all that aside when confronted with someone in need. Without even knowing the injured man, he saw him as the servant of his time and attention. And then he just starts kind of like uh, calling us for action. Which of these persons do you identify with? Mm. This question, blunt as it is, is direct and incisive. Yeah, which of these characters do you resemble? We need to acknowledge that we are constantly temper, tempted to ignore others, especially the weak. And he just keeps talking mm -hmm. about this. And I, I read it and it's very, like, very powerful. How, like he said it, you know, people that were having these social positions, like the priest, the Le Levite, uh, people who we see as like, they are supposed to do this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't do, you know? So it's it's everyone's responsibility. It's everyone's duty to come out of yourself and, and not only give the sandwich, going back to Brad. It's a great example. I, I loved it. Yeah, thank you, Brad. That's, that's going to be a great like, yeah. quote or a slogan. Yeah. <laughs> Give, it, the sandwich. Plus, just it's, give the sandwich. It's, it's a great analogy. Don't give only your sandwich. Give your time. You know, Brad said, I for at some point, I just uh, stopped thinking about my time, the things that I could have been doing, and I just focus on the person. That's what Pope Francis is saying. He says, don't focus only on the sandwich or whatever, but focus on what else do you can give. And when we uh, talk about the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, it's kind of like a combo, man, because you're feeding the hungry, you're instructing the ignorant, mm -hmm. you are comforting the... Uh, what's the lonely or not yeah, the lonely, but yeah. Afflicted. Afflicted. Uh, right. So it's, it's a lot of things that can come up with just your decision to do something, your decision to make a change. And I want to share something. Um, a few days ago, I took three days off work and I was coming from like a personal retreat <laughs> that I take on one day. Did you escape? No, <laughs> not on this one. Uh, I went to Ray Roberts Lake and I just went for walking, kind of like uh, talk to God, discern. And as I was coming back, very motivated, you know, very inspired on, I don't know, my vocation or whatever. I saw this man on the street and, and it's, this, I guess this is a great analogy. I was like, ah, I don't, ha I don't have anything to give him besides just one bottle of water. I'm like, I was driving to home. I had another thing to do. And I'm like, I just make a U-turn, make a U-turn. I stop in the middle of the traffic and I just tell him, hey, you want water? He said, oh, yeah, anything you want to give me. That, those were his mm -hmm. words. Anything you want to give me. And I give him the water and I just say, tell him, hey, God bless you, man, or God loves you or something. And then I kept driving. But after that, I couldn't stop thinking, what else couldn't be done? 
you know? My next activity was just to take for a walk my dog. I could have delayed that. I could have parked mm. my car. Uh, and it's, it's not that I did wrong. I, I think I did good, you know, by giving water. But I could have stopped. I could have gone, I, I could have gone like outside of myself, park the car, go sit with this person, talk to you, like, like, like the way uh, Brad did it, you know? But the thing is, compassion and pity, pity is just like, you see the man, and that's it. Oh, poor guy. Compassion is actually makes you do that U-turn, you know, going. It's that call to action. The call yeah. to action. But I, I like the analogy of the U-turn, you know, going back, you know, going in another direction and just do something else. And for, uh, for people that are listening, I really recommend you to read this uh, document of Pope Francis Fratelli Tutti. Um, it's, It's just amazing the way he explains the Good Samaritan and how we can take action, how we can uh, be compassionate people. Uh, and not only during Lent. I mean, we're talking about this topic only because of Lent. But this doesn't mean that after Lent, whenever it's Easter, we're going to stop doing almsgiving or prayer or fasting. These are our daily matters, uh, things that we can do. It's just Christian. It's our responsibility. It's our duty. Yeah, we're supposed to recenter ourselves in Lent, and and then outside of Lent, having been recentered, continue doing those things. Maybe not as you know extremely, but still doing those things, incorporating fasting and prayer and almsgiving into our daily lives. And I, I want to mention something really quickly about the Good Samaritan that I, I think sometimes gets overlooked, but every time I read it, it sticks out to me when the Good Samaritan brings the injured man to the inn. He actually charges the innkeeper to take care of him and says, I will, I'll repay whatever you use, so right. don't worry about that. But I think that's really telling is that the, the Good Samaritan had other duties that he needed to perform, and he knew the limits of what he could give. Yes. And I think that's really important to remember as well when we're talking about almsgiving is, yes, get outside of our comfort zone, but understand what your limits are. Have the humility to, to know, okay, I can give this, but I can't give that. And that, that's a, that was a tough lesson I had to learn because, again, the same Lent that I was talking about earlier, I remember seeing this guy on the side of the road, and he was about my age, and he was holding this sign that just said something like, I'm so tired of being marginalized or ostracized or whatever. And, um, and I just went up to him and I said, hey, do you want to just come up to my apartment and he's like, sure, whatever. And I just asked him about it. And he says like, well, nobody listens to me. I was like, well, I'll come listen to you. Like, just let's go upstairs. And, um, and so I, I take him up to my apartment and my roommate's in there and he's like, what is this guy doing in here? <laughs> like, Brad, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And, um, and so that at that point, like, okay, like that, I felt that was a good thing to do. But what I wasn't expecting was as soon as I gave my time to this guy, I was the only person that had really listened to him in a good while. And he kind of like attached himself to me, which was not something I expected and was prepared for. And so he was texting me all the time. He was calling me constantly and I couldn't you know, take his calls all the time. And eventually I had to set this boundary of, mm. look, like I can't do this with you. And that only made him mad. And then he like, said things to me that I won't repeat here. But, uh, and then I never saw him again. But um, 
and again, I, I still pray for him every day, like your wife, Ben. And Thanks for praying for her. Yeah. No, I'm not for you. I know. I'm you know what I mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, but, but it was one of those times where I felt really guilty that I couldn't give him what he needed, but it took me a long time to realize I, I only gave what I could, and that was, that was okay. And so when we give alms, I think it, we need to remember that there are limits to what we can give. And we don't have to do it alone. I mean, because that's what the Good Samaritan did. He relies on the charity of somebody else to take care and complete what he started. And so I think that also almsgiving has this you know, unifying element to it where it brings us closer together as the one body of Christ in the church, that we're not just doing it for ourselves or by ourselves. We're doing it with each other. Like This is the mission of the entire church, not just one person. I, I wish I can remember uh, the reference of this passage, but St. Vincent de Paul talks about the sentiment or the emotion on the poor when he or she receives uh, money or something, that it's, it's a very unique um, feeling that they have or they, um, so it's not like for us, it's very easy sometimes to say, I, I buy you lunch, but for them, it's very difficult to acknowledge that they don't have anything or they don't have money. Mm. And sometimes when you say it like so easily, yes, come to my apartment, come or I'll buy you this or I'll buy, sometimes for them it's, it's actually doing the opposite of helping them. And I'm not saying like, uh, that's an excuse not to do it. Yeah, no, but for, for, for them it's sometimes it hurts more, you know, like, and I wish I can remember when, uh, St. Vincent de Paul talks about this, but uh, I heard it and it's, it's, it's just, we need to be careful in that, you know, not to be like very easy. Oh yeah. You need a car. I'll get you a car. Yeah. You need a house. I'll get you a house. Like you so need, normal, not yeah, no, you know, it's, it's not about that. It's, but it's about being one in his suffering. I think that's going back to mm -hmm. compassion is it's, it's not about the ma material things that you can provide, yeah. which in part it is, you know, corporal works of mercy, but it all, it's also about, uh, united, unite your suffering your sentiment with that person um i wonder if like if if that person were us if at some point um i don't know my house is on fire and or something and i i bet a lot of people your apartment gets my fired. apartment yes a lot of people were were uh were going to offer me hey you can stay at my home at my house or something you can get my car you whatever and i will really appreciate it But at the same time, it's St. Paul says that they, uh, St. Vincent de Paul says that they feel ashamed of, of themselves. Like, and I bet I will feel like that. Sometimes I fold it when, when I've, I'm in need and someone just offers me, oh, don't worry about, I'll borrow you 100 bucks or whatever. It's, it's a weird sentiment, a weird emotion. So just, it was just kind of like to reply to your story. Mm. It's actually not just to easily do the action without thinking it. You got to put your heart, your, you know, just not like action by action, uh, but actually think about it, put your heart, put your energy. And I think that's good too, because we have to always keep in mind that when we strive to do God's will, there is that element of pride that does get in the way of, all right, I'm doing this so that I can, you know, 
I'm doing this for me. And there's always that element that maybe just kind of lying beneath the surface. And we need to be aware of that whenever we do have intentions of serving God or serving the poor. Yes. Like that, like at the end of the day, the poor has been served great, but uh, the purity and the intention of our heart is also important. Why are we doing it? Are we doing it out of love of neighbor or are we doing it just out of obligation mm-hmm. or making ourselves feel better? Well, guys, I think there's a lot to unpack from this discussion today. and As always. Yeah, and we just <laughs> uh, take some time now to close in, in prayer and really allow yourself to reflect on these words we've had to, to speak and have been able to discuss with you today. Um, to be the hands and feet of Christ to wherever we go, to those people that we meet. So challenge yourself to, to reach beyond those boundaries just like the Good Samaritan did. And help those in need, um, whatever you can, whatever you can offer. You know, just be able to do it. So, Jorge, can you close us in prayer? Yes. If you had a hat, you can remove it, please. <laughs> <laughs> in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this time that we talk about about you, about your love about how you love us so much and about how we can express that love that you have for us into our our neighbors, our friends, our family. Please send us your Holy Spirit and give us the virtue of uh, courage so we can actually say yes, we can actually make an action whenever you present it to us in the street as a homeless person, as a poor person, as someone in need. So open open our eyes so we can recognize you in all of those situations that you encounter us every day and help us to be uh, courageous to say yes, to make the U-turn, to take action, um, to not just stay on the emotion of pity, but to move uh, to compassion and this move that comes from you from the love that we receive from you the mercy that you give us every day please uh, help us to transform this mercy this love of yours uh, in into like a fountain or, or river for others so we can spread it to our brothers and sisters our neighbors everyone who is around us doesn't matter religion race just to, like the Good Samaritan, to take care of others and to go beyond ourselves. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So please remember to follow us, to like us on any of the the found foundations. On any of <laughs> the what? I don't know what I'm trying to say. The platforms that we have. <laughs> Foundational platforms. That we have to offer through uh, through technology. <laughs> I hope you have so, a good Holy Week. It's coming. Huh? It's coming soon. Our next episode is going to be released after Holy Week. So, yeah. Enjoy your time. Enjoy every day. You know, go to the... To the uh, yeah, to the Easter Vigil. Doesn't matter if it's three hour long. Uh, go to it. I, I I promise you it's the best mass on the year. Go to Good Friday also, Holy Thursday, Easter Sunday. 
sure we'll talk all about that in the next episode. <laughs> yes, but in the meanwhile, have a good Holy Week. Yeah. Goodbye. God bless. God bless.